Bickley and Marotta. Bickley and Marotta mornings. Arizona Sports, the local sports leader. Bickley Blast. The Suns have been all over the map this season. They've been underwater. They've been injury-prone. They lost twice to the Spurs in back-to-back games. They were embarrassed on Christmas Day, and at one point, it was very appropriate to wonder if our NBA franchise had butchered their present and their future. But today, they head into the All-Star break 11 games over 500, and they are in great shape to make a serious run at a Western Conference championship. Championship. Now, there are issues. The lack of a point guard might be a problem in a best-of series. Devin Booker still has a blind spot when it comes to officiating. And yes, blaming the officials is fun, but it will not help you one bit if that fire gets the best of Book in a playoff game when he's playing two and fighting the refs along with the opponent, and we've all seen that before. And Bradley Beal's current injury is a reminder that good health cannot be taken for granted. But the big thing three has put together an impressive body of work over the past two months. Royce O'Neal looks like a perfect fit for what the Suns were lacking on the perimeter, and I believe Thaddeus Young will also fill a distinct need, giving the team front court depth they can actually use during a playoff game. Yeah, the schedule gets harder, but the Suns also have great potential to get better, maybe even invincible, and wouldn't that be nice for a change? All right, today's Bickley Blast brought to you by my great friends at Chapman BMW who make luxury attainable. Find them online at ChapmanBMW.com. You know, I mean, I think we're, we're finding a, a good rhythm. We're catching a good rhythm, but we know how good the West is. I mean, we, we really have to uh, push the envelope to uh, excel in all areas that we can and really focus on the details and the work post-break. So, um, you know, we're excited to, uh, you know, to take a little breather here and, uh, you know, watch our two guys in that game on Sunday. And um, when we get out of the break, hopefully we can uh, we can start with uh, a few Ws. we got three and four right out of the gates, you know, with the Thursday, Friday, Sunday uh, schedule they gave us. Yeah, that's uh, Thursday, Friday, Sunday, it's... Dallas, Houston, and the Lakers. One, two, three. First mm-hmm. two on the road. Lakers uh, a week from Sunday mm-hmm. at Footprint Center. It, it's going to be a gauntlet. There's no doubt about it. But yeah, I, and I think we've. Both well, it's going to be the same for those teams playing the a- Suns. Absolutely. So I mean, it, it's you can look at it that way. But if you look at it from, I, I'd rather look at it that it, that's going to be a tough assignment for the Mavericks, the Rockets, and the Lakers. There's been times this year, uh, not as many as I would like, but there's been times this year, especially when the big three is healthy, clicking offensively. And you saw, and I, I mentioned this earlier in the week, it's not intact now, but the Suns had a 10-game stretch of shooting uh, the basketball from the floor. The percentage was historically good. Mm-hmm. But they've they've supplied a lot of those uh-oh moments. And they I have, mean, yeah. But what I mean by that is teams around the league looking at, at what the Suns have and going, uh-oh. Mm-hmm. They're starting to find themselves. Mm-hmm. And there's been a couple of blips the last two games. Beal pulls his hamstring five minutes into the game against Sacramento. Book gets uh, ejected last night five minutes and 24 seconds in. Don't need him against Detroit. Mm-hmm. Those two things might turn out to be a, b- a bit of an yeah. advantage yeah. after the break. And, and, and I want to get back to this book thing because something you said earlier about nine years in that it's it's too much to ask. I, maybe you you didn't say that, but 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 you're thinking it's be difficult for him to kind of get that out of his his disposition and his mindset. I, but well, there's there's certain things at play here, in my opinion, the way I see it. Mm-hmm. Devin Booker is a guy that's going to let the officials know when he feels like he didn't get a call. 
and it happens. I, I'm not going to sit here and say it doesn't happen frequently. It does. But when you consider Devin Booker's stature, where he is in the league compared to some other players, it just seems like players of equal stature, certainly mm-hmm. greater stature, equal stature, or even lesser stature than Booker, right. get calls. Are they bothered by his conversation that's always going? Maybe. But again, you know, we just talked about Draymond Green. Draymond Green stayed in that game last night. Mm-hmm. Somehow. <laughs> Reputation means something in the league. And Devin Booker, early in his career, I guess, rubbed officials the wrong way. Okay. So with if, the frustration if building, I don't know if yeah, he's able to shut okay, that off. But if what you're saying is true and refs are actually holding a grudge against him, it, you, it, there's only one way to solve that. If what you're saying happens to be true. And, I, and I'm sure. complaining. Play through it. Yeah, yeah, you've got to. I mean, and this is where I, this is what I get at, and and I I think Chris Paul did not help Devin Booker's disposition one bit when it came to officiating. And what I'm talking about, and everybody saw this with their own eyes. And I grant, granted, I know Devin Booker is sacred here in this market, but we all saw it. Devin Booker throwing himself to the floor in that Maverick series, foul hunting. That is not what a star player does. So if you're in that mindset, you are not in a good place. This is what I believe Devin Booker has to get up and above and beyond because if he loses his mind in a, in a game against the Nuggets you can come out here not you but everybody in this audience can come out here and whine and rage against the officiating it's not going to do you a darn bit of good this is where the only take- thing that's going to change is if Devin Booker changes and that's why I was hoping the absence of Chris Paul was going to have a good effect and I think it has I don't see Devin Booker putting himself on the floor the way he used to and and, and that's good but this other thing Monty Williams saying what he did pregame we can kind of we can poke fun at Monty Williams for sort of like breaking his arm, patting himself on the back. But he basically said, I was a guy that was, I was the guy that told him to knock it off, cut it off. And he, he didn't need to tell that anecdote. He felt compelled to tell that anecdote. I would, I would, if I could tell Frank Vogel one thing, that is one thing I would tell him because Frank Vogel feels the same way about officiating that most people do. You can hear it. He gets very frustrated very easily. The, the way to coach Devin Booker is to get him up and above this, if possible. If for the good for the good of everybody, and I'm not trying to be critical of Devin Booker. I'm trying to be real about what I see with my eyes. I think you're subconsciously being critical of Devin Booker. You said something that was pretty telling. You said foul hunting is not what star players do. Is Giannis a star player? Okay. Is Joel Embiid a star player? Is Luka Doncic a star player? Mm. Those guys predicate their entire games on contact, foul hunting, creating advantages with their bodies, Mm. and they get away with it, and they live at the free throw line. I just don't think you have Devin Booker on the same level as those stars. And I think that's what is 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 influencing what your thoughts on on Devin Booker. Well, no, I, I I'm talking about the 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 putting yourself on the floor during playoff games, like I saw very very frequently during that Maverick. In times of really intense high stress basketball, the previous Devin Booker during the postseason spent too much time trying to play the refs and game the refs. That's my point. There's also now, I'm saying these other guys, yeah, these other guys do it too. And if I was the head coach of Dallas, I'd be saying the same thing about Luke. I guarantee it. But he gets the calls. That's that's the difference. Is that they that's do the it a lot because they get the calls. Mm-hmm. 
if Booker does it a lot but doesn't get the calls, then it's not an effective okay. strategy. And again, and I'm not here to argue that he doesn't get a, get a fair share of, of free throws compared to um, uh, compared to other superstars. His free throw usage this year it's up, isn't it? Is he over seven a game this year? I'd have to check the numbers. Okay, so so I think he's around a career high this year. I'm just saying for the good of this basketball team that it, it, we all know refs aren't going to change, and we know that it's hard to it's hard to gauge what you're going to get in the postseason. But I'll but I can guarantee you what you're going to get in the postseason. You're going to get even fewer whistles. Yeah, his uh, free throw attempts per game seven per this year, uh, up from six point eight last year, but. 2018, 2019, and 2019, 2020, he was up over seven, seven one, and seven three. So, but his, his three point uh, attempts are also down from where they've been too. Mm, okay. He is a guy that will pass up an open three now and try to drive to the hoop, be aggressive, right. and that's what they. And I say. love that about you're not him. getting your yeah. free throws. You got to be more aggressive. Well, he's doing that, and he's not getting the benefit. You know, he's not getting the result that's mm-hmm. desired or suggested. That he should get from being more aggressive. Right. That, that, that's all it is. Okay. Um, and last night, look, I I don't know exactly what was said. The gist of it was, hey, stop complaining, or we're gonna we're gonna run you. And uh, listen, they, I agree. And they the, ran him I, anyway. I think the refs were covering their backside because yeah. of that pregame incident, and they wanted they knew that they were going to be grilled by their bosses if they let anything get out of control. And I think Devin Booker paid for it. But I think at that point in time, somebody's got to. Relay that info to Devin Booker and just say, dude, we need yeah. you. Well, you know what? They didn't need him. No, last and night. it stunk in last night. They didn't need him last Maybe night. Maybe that was Book proving a point because he knew how that was going to go. <laughs> I mean, the Pistons are uh-huh. again, they're like, I, I'd call uh-huh. them AAA, but I. <laughs> Coming up next, spring training underway for the Arizona Diamondbacks, and we will talk to one of their star pitchers, Merrill Kelly, scheduled to join us straight ahead here on Bickley and Murata Mornings. Arizona Sports, the local sports leader. Everybody, it's Bernsey. The excitement around this year's Diamondbacks team is at an all-time high. So what roster decisions still need to be made for the NL champs? It's the Burns and Gambo Show, and it starts at straight up 2 o'clock. The pitchers and catchers for the Diamondbacks reporting earlier this week. We got a chance to talk to Tori Lavello yesterday. We got a chance to talk to uh, Zach Gallen. As those workouts continue, Tori telling us it's not just pitchers and catchers that are there. The entire squad is there. Uh, that's not expected until Monday and uh, a week from Friday at uh, Cactus League Baseball. It's here. Baseball. The, the synergy of the, the end of the NFL schedule yeah. with the beginning of spring training starting is pre- pretty beautiful. It's, it's fantastic when you've got the defending National League champion. Absolutely. And we got a member of the defending National League champions, uh, Merrill Kelly, Diamondbacks pitcher, joining us from spring training here on the Arizona Sports Line. Merrill, good morning. How are you? Good morning, guys. Thanks for having me. How you guys doing? We're doing well. Uh, how's it feel getting back to work? Uh, feels good. Feels like we uh, honestly didn't even stop. Feels like we kind of just took a couple weeks off and then rolled right back into it. Um, but it's good seeing all you know, seeing all the guys that went home and um, you know, getting back in the routine of things. It's nice. Yeah, we talked to Zach Gallen yesterday, and he talked about how the the reaction around town was certainly different this year after the World Series run. I'm wondering what the off season was like for you as somebody who's, who's got you know a, a history here. You grew up here. What was the off season like for you getting recognized around? town and appreciate it around town 
Uh, yeah, I mean, as far as day in and day out stuff, it was pretty similar. Um, but I, I definitely recognize that the cool part of it was where I'd have, um, I think the coolest part for me was when I'd have fans come up to me and, you know, not just, not necessarily just the recognition of who I was, but, um, like legitimately, truly thanking me for, uh, you know, thanking me and thanking us as a team, you know, for a great season. Um, and I think, you know, us being in the bubble that we're in, we kind of forget about, um, you know, how sports fans really value and really view what we do. Um, so I think that was probably the coolest part is people legitimately, you know, extremely happy and grateful for, for us putting on a good show and putting on a good season. Um, so for me, that was kind of the, the most special part about kind of getting recognized around the around the Valley. Merrill, you were one of the breakout stars of the playoffs. You were not just dominant. You were filthy. You did it on the road consistently against some of the best lineups. And one of the best parts about it was it didn't come as a surprise to you at all. In fact, you talk, talked openly in press conferences after these games about how this was kind of your plan. This is what you were thinking about during your long journey back to Major League Baseball. How have you? How do you feel about that? Looking back now at at, at just the way you shined, and where do you take your career from here? Oof. Um, <laughs> yeah, I think my mentality, you know, right now is is kind of just going into those games as as just trying to enjoy them as much as I can. Um, you know, I, I touched on like you said in those interviews, being over in Korea for so long, and and you know, had visions of, you know, not only pitching in the big leagues in general, but, you know, being in those big time games. So I think when I got to those games, it was, uh, you know, more of just a enjoy the ride, enjoy the moment mentality rather than trying to make it, you know, bigger than it was. Um, I was sitting on the training table the other day and there's a picture of uh, Gonzo up there, you know, after he hit the game winning uh, hit in 2001. Um, and it, it kind of hit me again that, man, we were so close to that goal and so close to that dream of, of winning that looking back on it, it was probably a little bit bigger of a, of a situation or a stage that I really tried to make it into at the time. But I think that was the goal kind of going into it um and as far as where i take my career from from here um i mean just try to get better each and every day um you know obviously we got so close to our goal that i think everybody in here is is hungry to get back to that feeling and and the fact that we came so close and came up a little short um i would imagine that's probably on the on the forefront of everybody's mind right now is to try to get back and, and kind of finish the job Merrill Kelly of the Arizona Diamondbacks, our guest here on Bickley and Murata Mornings. You said it, getting so close to the ultimate goal, does that make um, you know the offseason more difficult to deal with when you look back at the experience being so close? Or do you look at it as, hey, this is just the first step in, in what we need to do next year? Yeah, I, I would say the first part of the offseason, it, it stung a little bit. You know, you'd have kind of flashbacks and, and once all the dust settled, because obviously those playoffs and the World Series run, everything moves incredibly fast, mm -hmm. right? You're just trying to hold on and just trying to get through each and every day, you know, and just try to make it to the next day. Um, so I think once the dust settles and, and we had time to kind of reflect on it, it definitely stung for a little bit. It left, a, I think, a sour taste in a lot of our mouths, um, I would imagine, the first part of the offseason. But once you kind of get past that and, you know, you settle back in with your family and enjoy, you know, just being a, a normal person for a little while. Um, I think it's it's a really cool experience that we can all look back on and, and kind of come together and, and grow as a group, um, knowing that, you know, no going into last year, nobody had any expectations that we would even be close to, to finishing second and the whole thing. So 
So I think, you know, everybody's trying to take that as a, as a positive and, and just trying to move forward and trying to build on that momentum and, and that ride that we all took together as a group um, and just try to, uh, you know, like I said, get back and kind of try to finish the job. Not only was it very awesome for Diamondback fans to see the way you responded in these high leverage super clutch situations, that, and that's dating all the way back to the World Baseball Classic with you, but to the point where people were saying this guy, Merrill Kelly, is the true ace of the staff. You got you had Zach come out in Game 5 and, and nearly well, he brought a no-hitter into the seventh inning. When you look at you two together, when you look at the staff and how it's been fortified, how do you feel about the state of pitching with the Diamondbacks going into this year? Yeah, um, I think, you know, having me and Zach at the top, we've we've been kind of been able to feed off each other. Obviously, watching him go to work every day is, is an honor for me. He's he's different, um, in my opinion. He's, you know, he's third in the Cy Young last year. It's kind of hard to argue, you know, with, with that kind of accolade. Um, but I think moving forward, obviously, with the signing of Eduardo and, and Brandon Fott kind of coming into his own, getting his feet wet towards the end of the year and, and really looking like the guy that – you know, a lot of people think that he will be in the future. Um, and I definitely echo that. I think Brandon is a stud. I think he's going to be, you know, a future ace of, you know, if not this team, then I think uh, somewhere else for sure. Um, and then obviously we have a little bit of a competition going on for the fifth spot. Um, but for whoever fills that spot, I'm very confident putting us up against, you know, most rotations in the league. Um, I think we're maybe a little bit underrated just because we play in Arizona and, you know, there's, um, the Yamamoto's of the world and mm-hmm. and all those guys that have gotten the notoriety. But, um, you know, with what we did last year and, and kind of the last couple of years that we put together, um, you touch on, you know, obviously me and Zach's last couple of years, um, you know, going into the season, I think we're as competitive in, as a rotation as, as anybody in the league. Diamondbacks pitcher Merrill Kelly, our guest here on Arizona Sports, you kind of touched on it there, uh, the, the L.A. factor and what happened in the NLDS, the way you guys handled the Dodgers. Uh, some people suggested broke the Dodgers in a way. It was very therapeutic for the yes, fan base. I'm sure it was very therapeutic <laughs> for you guys as an organization. But for you individually, I mean, the, the, the struggles that you had against the Dodgers were well chronicled in that series. Overall, what does that, that win do uh, for, for the confidence of this team? Or is that something that you think is maybe a little bit overrated in the minds of many? No, I don't. I definitely don't think it's overrated. Um, anytime you can, you know, anytime David can beat Goliath, I think you try to take those wins as, as much as you can. Um, you know, like you touched on, my, my track record against those guys has been absolutely terrible. Uh, there's no, there's no way around it. There's no ifs, ands, or buts. Um, so for me, I think that's kind of the beauty of the playoffs. At the same time, um, and I kind of touched on that mentality going into that earlier. It's just once you get there, it's it's kind of anybody's game, and I think that's the beauty of baseball. I think that's the beauty of the playoffs. Is you know you hear about these teams that you know over the course of the history of baseball, you you hear it all the time. It's like oh, this team got hot at the right time. You know they got hot at the playoffs. Um, I think that was that was probably a good recognition of what where we were at. Um, and obviously, anytime we can beat the Dodgers, I think everybody appreciates it. Mm-hmm. Um, but I think those games this year, obviously, they sign um, you know billion dollars worth of two players. Um, but I think those games are going to be a lot of fun this year. I think, you know, with the presence of Otani in general, he brings a whole different dynamic to each and every team that he goes to. Um, so I'm looking forward to those games this year. I think they're going to be a lot of fun. Um, just hopefully at home, hopefully we can have a little bit more red and a little less blue uh, going into the year. With, yes. With How about year. yes. How about it? Yeah. And one of the things with the Dodgers spending, some people thought, and I heard this from a lot of baseball fans, that it just got to the point of being obscene, which is good because it kind of means that you guys 
guys are going to always kind of feel like an underdog, and I think there's some value to that, but there are expectations this year. Uh, you're not going to surprise anybody this year. As a guy who's who's been through some journeys, how, how does a baseball team handle what's in front of the Diamondbacks in terms of those expectations? Um, I think we'll be all right. You know, as just far as far as our clubhouse and the guys that we have in this clubhouse, um, you know, everybody's pretty light. Everyone gets along. Everybody is kind of pulling for each other. Um, you know, we don't, we don't, we try not to make too big of, of any really situation. And I got to hand that to a lot of our young guys. I think in, in this business and especially at this stage, I think, you know, a lot of young guys, the, the brights or the lights get pretty bright pretty quick. Um, but I think our guys are, are pretty even keel. Um, their heartbeats pretty slow and I, I don't see that, you know, I don't see that changing anytime soon, even though, like you said, there are expectations going into this year, but the, the vibe that at least for the first couple of days and, you know, we'll see obviously when the position players get here, but the energy feels the same. Um, it doesn't feel like anybody's, you know, looking around saying, all right, we have to do more. We have to do more. Um, I think it's kind of just stay the course mentality and we know that we have a good team and obviously we improved as well with, you know, a couple of trades and a couple of signs um, that we made in the offseason. I think everybody's kind of excited to get going. Well, Merrill, add us to the group of people that thanked you for that oh, run, yeah. what you guys did last year. It was uh, it was a heck of a lot of fun. Uh, thanks so much for joining us today. Best of luck, and hopefully we can chat again real soon. Yeah, anytime, guys. I appreciate it. Thank, Thank you, you Merrill Kelly, Diamondbacks right-hander, joining us from Salt River Field Spring Stunt. Training underway. Uh, and yeah, stud. <laughs> his his performance in the postseason uh, last oh, year was just ridiculous. Breathtaking, yeah. breathtaking. Uh, coming up next, there's a question that needs to be asked and explored in the light of the tragedy in Kansas City yesterday. Is this the end of the championship parade in sports in America? We'll get into that and more next. Bickley and Murata mornings here on Arizona Sports, the local sports leader. through the adversity continue to go to go for that championship they all doubted us i don't want to hear any different but you know who came through in the end that's the kansas city Chiefs. patrick mahomes quarterback of the two-time defending super bowl champion chiefs at the celebration the parade yesterday in kansas city uh, before we move on to more serious mm. issues yeah. when it comes to this parade mm-hmm. um patrick mahomes may be right for once about what the, the doubt factor. everybody doubted us everybody, i had that same thought yeah um you gave us every reason to doubt you yeah <laughs> for once that was yeah. actually true well, in the championship that's race. a good point San francisco 49ers you know posting on x uh, leading up to the super bowl against all odds we're here basically was the message that's ridiculous I don't think if you polled anybody on Christmas Day after watching the Chiefs lose to the Raiders, at home, by the way, mm-hmm. uh, that they would say, yeah, we believe in the Kansas City Chiefs. They turned it on. That's what champions do. Good I will them. say by the end of the season, people believed in them. Like once they started getting going in the playoffs, it felt almost inevitable. Yeah, to the point where people like me, when pressed for a Super Bowl prediction, is like, how can you pick against Patrick Mahomes and the Chiefs? Everybody believes in Patrick Mahomes. You'd be a fool not to. Am I wrong? No. <laughs> no. But again, I think I'm not sure what what was the disconnect, but I don't think anybody thought that Patrick Mahomes was going to suddenly be unbeatable with the limited weapons he had. Now, mm-hmm. I don't think it was necessarily people doubting Patrick Mahomes. I think it was doubting just the quality of the Chiefs offense. Yeah. 
and and it turned out to not matter. And that, that's why I think that Super Bowl championship is really hit really, really hard because next year is going to be unlike because of it. Next year, really, honestly, is going to be unlike any football year we've seen in quite some time. Teams have had a chance to three-peat before. They've never done it. But I'm not sure a team that's had a chance to three-peat has ever had a quarterback that's outpaced the rest of the NFL the way Patrick Mahomes seems to be doing right now. No, it's true. It seems like he is impervious to what is around him. Yeah. You know, yeah. if you give him serve, I mean, Travis Kelsey is still an elite talent. I wouldn't say outside of that, there was much elite talent on the offense for, for Kansas City. Rasheed Rice is going to have a nice career, I think. Mm-hmm. But for the most part, their wide receiver core hampered their efforts to win games this year. Mm-hmm. Isaiah Pacheco, good player. Clyde Edwards-Alaire, not the, I wouldn't call them elite players. So he can win with elite players as he did with Tyreek Hill mm-hmm. and Travis Kelsey. You take one of those guys away, no big deal. He's won two Super Bowls since Tyreek Hill's been gone. Mm-hmm. The guy's ridiculous. Yes, and that's exactly right. And so now I think that that's kind of now, it's like, who's going to beat that team? Who's going to beat that guy in a, in a playoff game, especially when he's got a head coach of Andy Reid's caliber? You know? Kyle Shanahan is largely considered a top three coach in the NFL, and and look at what Andy Reid did to him. Uh-huh. Uh-huh. <laughs> yeah. Uh-huh. I mean, they beat him in overtime on the last play of the game. It's not like they blew them out, to be fair. But, I mean... The 49ers didn't look like the 49ers. Not in the second half, they didn't. No. And, and again, and Kansas City now has done this in successive field, successive Super Bowls. And and that is they uh, against the 49ers, they scored the last four times they had the ball. And they did the same thing against the Eagles. Now, it, it's really ironic, and some people have pointed out, isn't it strange that Jonathan Gannon was vilified by the Eagles fans for what happened in the second half of a Super Bowl against Patrick Mahomes, and he got a head coaching job yeah. where Steve Wilkes was vilified, and he got fired? Now, Some of Kyle Shanahan's language on it was pretty interesting, though, too. When he said phrases like, it was more difficult than it needed to be, and it, it, it not necessarily the fire talking about the firing mm-hmm. but the the working relationship with Steve Wilkes. Right. He right. did say that. Is that him well, scapegoating him? Is that him coming up with a convenient excuse for for what he viewed a failure in the Super Bowl, deflecting some of the criticism on himself? It could be some of those things. But I, I thought that was a yeah. that was an interesting use of well, language. Well, yes, but I think what happened to here in reading some of the accounts out of San Francisco is that you hire a guy like Steve Wilkes, he had been a lot of places. So Steve Wilkes was an established defensive coordinator so he's going to come with his his own philosophies sure. and his way of doing things and and they might have not kind of vibed with Kyle Shanahan and clearly at points this this season they didn't vibe so i, I it, it, to me it's really going to be it's it be, it's going to be fascinating because if the chiefs next year are 7 and 6 at one point in time everyone's going to go don't doubt them don't doubt them. No, it's and, true. and people like Lamar Jackson and Josh Allen, there's nothing they can do in the regular season to make anybody believe they're capable of beating Patrick Mahomes until they actually do Those it. Those two it, franchises, especially. Yes, you're exactly right. So, so uh, this Super Bowl, I think uh, they put the Ravens and the Bills in extreme states of stress going yeah. into this offseason. Now we started with the parade. We'll mm-hmm. end on the parade. Uh, it was all fun and games, and Travis Kelsey was putting on a show, and people were making claims like. Nobody believed us. Chris Jones said, we'll be back. We're getting the three-peat. But what happened uh, at the tail end uh, in Kansas City was tragic. Mm -hmm. Um, I think 
you know, obviously when people are celebrating a civic accomplishment, coming together on a day like that, the last thing they expect is violence. The last thing they expect is to go to a parade celebrating their football team and to lose their life over it. But somebody did. 20 people have been injured. Uh, more than 20 people have been injured due to the mass shooting that, that broke out. Mm-hmm. And I think you hit on a very poignant question earlier in the show when this is not a necessary item for a championship team. It's a luxury item. We've never thought of it as that way. It was always no. kind of a, 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 you know, one of the spoils of victory. We exactly. get to have a parade and exactly. you don't and the whole world's going to watch us celebrate. Exactly. And it's a, a tremendously gratifying thing for the winning team. Now, tremendously. Now that's in question because of, you know, a, How another could it be? senseless act of violence in a situation that should have been joyous. Yeah. It's it's really really depressing that that this has just become such a part of our existence. It's 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 deflating, and as we talked about earlier, if the Suns win an NBA championship, we should have the mother of all parades. Will we? Will the players even want to? Will any athletes want to be part of a victory parade when they're in open air buses going through towns, cities with yeah. a million people around? And Jared asked the question, because this happened, do you stop the parade? I, maybe I mean, I don't know the answer to that question, but it also leads to another question: What's next? Mm-hmm. We keep seeing this, you know. Hey, we've never seen we've seen mass shootings all over the place, but we've never seen it in this setting. We've never seen it in this setting. What's next? I mean, that's how you have to treat these things. This problem is this issue is not going away. Right? No, no, it's not. And and look, and Lewis Riddick in the cut you were playing before, he was actually he just seemed befuddled at how we got to this place. Well, I, I think it's pretty obvious how we got to this place. And, and and I think in this this situation here, this is something that might go by the wayside, and it's just it's it's tragic to me. It really, really is. Yeah, it's just nonsense. Take another so- source of joy away from uh, people away from of, us because, because of, of this. Uh, you can text your thoughts to the FanDuel text line. It's open at six twenty six twenty right now. Coming up next, Suns go into the All Star break on a bit of a high. 11 games over 500. We'll explore where this team is in the landscape of the Western Conference next. Bickley and Murata Mornings, Arizona Sports, the local sports leader. Hey, it's Luke. It's officially the NBA All-Star break. So where do the Phoenix Suns stand in the West, and what more do you want to see? We get going at 10 a.m. It's Wolf and Luke on Arizona Sports. Wonderfully. I mean, I thought it felt like it galvanized us, you know, um... You never know how games like this are going to go. Last game before the break, both teams played last night. Um, you know, getting a little bit of adversity two nights in a row. We lost Brad five minutes in the game. We lost Book five minutes in the game tonight. Um, but having both of those guys out, you know, really, uh, you know, makes us shorthanded at the guard position. So, you know, I want to credit Saban Lee for coming in and playing a terrific game. You know, really helped uh, not only stabilize us, but sparked us, you know, uh, during that stretch. And our guys handled adversity well and uh, turned it into a positive, you know, put up a big lead. Saban Lee! Get the shout out from his coach. How about I, it? I got to tell you. Saban Lee. Let's Saban Lee. Saban Lee. What is up? South Phoenix's own Saban Lee. Love that dude. Uh, I love what he did last night. And I was the one with all these point guard, you know, questions going on yeah. all the time. They need a point guard. They need a point guard. Once upon a time, and we didn't dwell on it, but I mentioned it. We're like, mm-hmm. hey, throw Saban Lee in there. He's the closest thing you got to a point guard on the roster. Certainly is that now with Jordan Goodwin gone. Yeah, right. 
Saban Lee came in and played his behind off last mm-hmm. night. He hustled. Uh, he made some circus shots. He got to the free throw line. He just competed he on both ends like of the He played like a guy who never gets minutes, Vinny. Imagine exactly. that. Imagine that. And how many times you watch that in situations around the league where guys are languishing on the end of the bench and they get in and they just kind of go through the motions mm-hmm. and you see some really ugly basketball. Mm-hmm. Uh, he didn't do that last night. Uh, 16 points. No, uh, I agree. It was, no, that it was, was a nice effort. Frank Vogel talking about uh, ed- responding to adversity the last two games. And yeah, there was a, a good deal of adversity when you lose Bradley Beal early in the Sacramento game. Mm-hmm. That puts pressure on Vogel. That puts pressure on guys getting bumped up in the rotation, playing more minutes. Royce O'Neal was a guy who really responded in that situation. Last night... The adversity of uh, having one of your players socked socked in the kisser. Oh, right no. There, right? Socked them right in the bean. Socked them right in the bean. Isaiah Stewart socking Drew Eubanks in the bean in before the, bean. the game. Yeah. And then Devin Booker uh, getting ejected early in that game. That's adversity that you have to overcome. Now, it's easier to over, overcome adversity when you're playing the Detroit Pistons, who uh, I thought that game in Washington, when the Suns went back and Bradley Beal went off on the Wizards, Watching the Wizards' lack of competition, <laughs> the Pistons might have taken that to a new level. And I know that. Well, been, we yes, we declared playing. the Wizards the worst team in the NBA we after did, that game. We did, but again, I'm not going to watch any Wizards or Pistons games or any combo if it's the Pizzards or the Wistons. I'm not watching <laughs> them play either, unless they're playing the Sun. So it's not fair. Pizzards. Well, that was the single worst performance I've seen by an NBA team last night. That was disgusting. I'll say this: I mean, the Pistons are having just a disastrous season. What they lose twenty eight in a row, twenty seven in a row. Yeah, they are only one game worse than the Wizards. So I mean, there's some truly awful teams this year, and you could you can absolutely see the difference when the Suns play against the truly awful versus just like the mediocre. I don't know if I've ever seen an NBA game where I saw more ball handlers dribbling without, and I'm talking guards, without protecting the ball at all, just dribbling it out front and having it picked away by bigs on the other team. Drew Eubanks and Yusuf Nurkic both picked Cade Cunningham. Yeah, that's pocket. yeah, that, that that did happen. You're right A about lot. that. That did happen. That's kind of odd. Yeah, not really an engaged basketball team. Yeah, that uh, was Suns really had 15 pathetic. steals. Yeah, <laughs> that's that's the Suns of bad insane. team. Yes. Here's some numbers on how bad uh-huh. the Pistons are. The Pistons shot the ball 22 times more in the game than the Suns. All right, the Suns actually committed four more turnovers than the Pistons. The Pistons had 16 offensive rebounds to 9 for the Suns. And it was still a blowout. The Suns played a lot of their backup backups a lot of that game too, though. Especially in the fourth quarter was all skewed because of yes, who was playing. Honestly, uh, with all due respect to the Suns that were on the floor, it felt like a it felt like a preseason mm-hmm. game last night. Mm-hmm. That's yeah, why it, that's a good way of putting it. That's the, exactly what it felt like. The Saban Lee thing. Every time he plays, it seems like he's gives a jolt, but he's pr- most likely that type of player that like that can he can give you that once every ten games, not every game. Mm-hmm. True. So like, I don't know. Should he get more minutes no, or, or no, more opportunity? No. I, I, yeah. Whereas, I mean, when you're healthy. <laughs> And Book's not ejected, and Beal's healthy, <laughs> and Gordon That's and Allen are in the That's rotation. There's just not. There's not. Come on, Jared. Really? 
We're trying to integrate Royce O'Neal. We got to integrate Thaddeus Young, and you're worried about Saban Lee. By the way, How this about, deal with Thaddeus Young has been in the finalization yeah, stage for about three days now. I think. Oh, he, is it going to collapse? There's a lot of finalize. I, I don't think there's any real press to get it done. I think he made all star all star break trip plans early and didn't want to break them. Is that what? <laughs> <laughs> that would be that would not be a good sign. You might be right. Uh, Suns, as we said, 33 and 22 at the break. Um, 11 games over 500. Yep. That's the highest over 500 yep. they've been. They're tied with New Orleans in the fifth, sixth spots right now. Um, there's a lot to a, a lot to consider. I mm-hmm. mean, even Denver has shown some warts lately. The defending champions with Nikola Jokic, yeah. who is just an unstoppable force. Michael Malone came out and questioned his own team and said, mm-hmm. "We don't know what we're going to. We're Jekyll and Hyde defensively. We don't know where we're gonna, what we're going to get, and we can't have that." Mm-hmm. And they lost a game, last but they might be they might be in late stage Warriors, current stage yeah. Chiefs mode, yeah. where it's like right. let's get to the yeah, playoffs. This is boring. Yeah, the Clippers um, have cooled off a little bit. They got a big win last night. It was a good win for the Clippers last night to go to San Francisco, and and you know Warriors were feeling themselves a little bit. Five game winning streak, and to beat them on their floor, that was a big win. I still have Denver and the Clippers 1-2 in the West, regardless of what the records for every team say. Same. I think those are the two teams. Mm-hmm. And, and then you ask yourself the question, can you fully trust the Clippers? Can you trust James Harden in the playoffs? I don't know if you can trust the Clippers to stay healthy. I, well, I mean, that's, I, I, that's true. That, that to me, uh, again, I'll, I'll never forget as long as I live watching Kawhi Leonard and the Clippers steal a game from the Suns in the playoffs. And then before game three, Kawhi's out. It's yeah. like, why? Series over. Oh, what? 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 Uh, what? That's Se- series that- over. And if that happens again, season's over. It's the health. Because, okay, you might not be able to trust James Harden in the playoffs, but you can really trust. Kawhi Leonard oh, in the no playoffs. Yeah. There's no, it, it's, it's just the exactly health. opposite. Yep. But uh, I don't want to single out the Clippers, and people said that about the Suns, too. Well, if they're healthy, they're formidable. That's the same for every team. Mm-hmm. Every team goes through it. It's just the teams that have those players that are more susceptible or miss more time due to injury get thrown in that category. And it's not fair. I mean, if, mm-hmm. if Jokic goes down in Denver and he's been very durable, guess what? They're done. Oh, yeah. Oh, overnight. Just done. Yeah, again, and so so that's I think that's one of the things. Not only the eleven games over five hundred, one of the things that I think really has settled down uh, the Suns fans' beating heart collectively is just the way that the big three had had been available prior to this Bradley Beal injury, which is not thought to be serious. But it, it's been very reassuring to see Kevin Durant and Devin Booker and Bradley Beal go from December 29th to the All Star break with you know the two missed games. One from Book and one from Bradley Beal. Yeah. Just as, as it chalks up now, you get two wins. More rest for those guys. Yeah, right. And, uh, you know, the, the All-Star game, Booker is traveling. He'll play on Sunday. Mm-hmm. It's as he should. Very relaxed right. basketball. Oh, yeah. There's not of much course. to worry about there in terms of being taxed. Uh, coming up next, Sarah brings Sarah. us into the 9 o'clock hour. With some social studies. Pickley and Murata mornings live from the Ak Chin Community Studios here on Arizona Sports, the local sports leader.